What's going on, podcasting world? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. And Cole is actually not with me today. Um, and in his stead, I got one of my students, uh, Matthew Brock, uh, MUSC P4 student, and uh, also joined by our guest of the hour, Dr. Swathi, for I think the fifth time on this podcast. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have the new record, Swathi. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Brian uh, Gilbert um, is going to be upset, but, well, you know, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, so thanks so much for joining us again. It's great to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. No problem. Um, you know, So we wanted to have Swathi on because she's got a pretty cool uh, webinar series that's coming out um, that I know she's excited to talk about. And I think it's a really unique opportunity that uh, a lot of our listeners could potentially take advantage of. And um, it's got kind of a unique uh, topic, if you will. Uh, if you guys know uh, Swathi at all, that you know she's involved in a lot of um, integrative health and functional medicine and um, adaptogen therapy, um, you know, medicinal cannabis and lots of uh, lots of other areas of her expertise. But um, Swati, what, what is this kind of series going to be about? Yeah, so our series is called Integrative Health 101. And I said our because um, it is not only me who put the series together, it's also my mentor, Dr. Pam Tarlow, who has also had the pleasure of being on the podcast in a previous episode when we both had Appy students together. Um, but actually, the backstory with that is that I was looking for unique opportunities when it came to Appy rotations, and I wanted to have a schedule of Appy rotations in topics that were really of interest to me. And I'd always been interested in integrative health, and so I found an opportunity to come out to LA to do a rotation with her. And she's been in integrative health for the past few decades. She's probably one of the first ones in the country, honestly. Um, and so she has a wealth of knowledge. And so both of us together um, decided that we wanted to start the first ever residency program for students interested in pursuing integrative health or students or other pharmacists um, interested in pursuing integrative health as a career and those that are looking for that further training. Um, and so that has been an incredible experience. I was the co-founder and the first resident um, for a year. And then after that have been doing a lot of different educational things. And so this is one of the educational things that we have honestly been talking about for a really long time. And we were trying to figure out the right time between everything going on with the past year and the pandemic, as well as our schedules and coordinating everything, um, especially because we haven't seen each other in person quite a while. Um, and so this webinar series, Integrative Health 101, really the goal of it is to bring the basics and the just the core concepts of integrative health to any healthcare professional or student that's interested. And I know like going through the PharmD curriculum as well as, you know, Dr. Tarlow, that there isn't as much of a focus in that. And I, from like what she has seen and from what I have seen in terms of students and other pharmacists reaching out on various social media platforms, people are so interested in learning about it. But what we found is when they're asking, you know, what is the next step I can take? The only steps that we really knew about were like, we could give them a list of resources and they could go self-teach, um, which is initially how I started learning. Um, 
or they could take a really expensive, I'm not gonna name the institutions, but there are a few institutions that have very expensive programs that are yes, very comprehensive, but also like year long commitments or multiple years, honestly. And so um, we wanted to create something that was in between both of those. And so we came up with this uh, live webinar series. That's awesome. So, you know, as far as integrative medicine, can you kind of give us some, you know, either topics that are kind of fall under that umbrella or kind of a, even a basic definition of what that is for the listeners who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's a really good question that you asked because everyone, even in within integrative health has a different definition and they view it in a different way. And so um, the way that Dr. Charlo and I view integrative health really is integrating a lot of the different health and healing modalities all together and really putting the patient in the center of the conversation and figuring out what the patient's treatment goals are and going from there. And then being able to talk about all these different options. So all these different topics we'll be talking about within the webinar series. Um, and then figuring out with them as a team, what is best for them. So for example, um, this includes everything from prescription conventional therapy, because of course there is a place for incredible prescription um, medications. And so I'm not saying that like they have no value, which I know some people have very strong feelings about one way or the other in the integrative space, but I think that there is value to them. And of course, as a pharmacist, I, I would believe that. Um, and then um, apart um, from that, though, there's so many other things we can integrate. And so as you um, mentioned earlier, adaptogens, so those are herbs that really build our body's resilience to external and internal stressors. So that's a variety of different herbs and spices and foods that fall into that category. Um, we'll also have a topic on homeopathy. Um, we'll have one on cannabis or medical cannabis and really the role that pharmacists can play in that. We'll also have have one on Ayurveda, which I've had a chance to teach a full course at a college of traditional Chinese medicine. And so I'm basing that lecture, that webinar off that material. Um, we'll also have one on therapeutic aromatherapy, which is one of Dr. Charlo's specialties. Um, and so that's, um, in other words, that's just the use of uh, essential oils and the research behind that. Um, and then, of course, we'll have a really good discussion about drug-herb interactions. And so that is one of the top questions I would say that we get with the most frequency from healthcare professionals. So we'll have a great discussion about that. And so all these different topics I'm talking about, um, the way that we've set it up is that it's five weeks. And within the five weeks, it's Tuesday and Thursday live webinars. And so those live webinars will be at 5 p.m. PST or 8 p.m. EST. And on all the Tuesdays, Dr. Charla will host um, her favorite topics. And on Thursdays, I'll host my favorite topics. Um, and then if you do sign up for the full course, because you could just pick and choose and, you know, just be a, a part of the, let's say, medical cannabis, if that's what you're interested in. Um, but if you do sign up for the full course, we are offering a sixth week too, um, which will be a Q&A session as well as um, case study. So that will be another full-on week of webinars. That's awesome. So, you know, real quick, you mentioned um, the 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 product, or, or uh, I, I wanted—I can't remember what you said. The one you were actually teaching at the college about what was yeah. that called again? 
Um, so that's Ayurveda. It's some um, Ayurvedic medicine. The it's the most ancient methodology of medicine, and it originates in India. Okay, so it, is it like it using like, forgive my ignorance, but is it is it like using like herbs and things like that, or is it a whole like s- separate thing in and of itself? Um, no, it's um a lot of the discussion when it comes to just overall health and wellness in Ayurveda um, does come down to the utilization of herbs and spices and nutrition. Um, but it's really looking at the entire person on the whole and looking at their mind, body, spirit, you know, soul connection kind of a thing. And so a lot of that does have to do with food. And it's very much rooted in the idea that you are what you eat, which of course, like everyone loves to say, but um, I think Ayurveda Veda really does embody that principle. That's cool. So, I mean, looking at it even from like a, I guess a Western pharmacotherapy aspect, I mean, one of the big things that uh, I guess, you know, can dictate some of our behavioral health, mental health is some of our gut health as well. They seem to be very intertwined. Um, Is that kind of dealing in that same realm, so to speak, or at least parts of it dealing in that same realm and kind of showing those connections and you know, overall lifestyle management along with just the the medicinal part of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the amount of serotonin in our gut, I mean, there are just so many connections with the gut brain connection and so many more people are talking about it now, which is amazing. And so um, when I just recently, one of the things that I do on the side is I, I, I write for GoodRx and they actually just asked me to write an article about um, herbs that I think are like the most beneficial for your gut and for gut health. And so quite a few of those were specifically herbs that have been cornerstone herbs or, you know, mainstay herbs in Ayurveda. And so one of those is ashwagandha. Um, one is tripala. Um, and the other is, I mean, there's ginger, which of course that we've all heard of, but that has also been utilized for centuries in that um, element of medicine. That's cool. <clears throat> Swati, I'm not going to lie. Whenever I think I'm doing like a lot of stuff in my own career and then I talk to you and I always go, hmm, I need to, ste- <laughs> I need to step it up. Swati has 800 jobs. Minimum. <laughs> so it's always, always impressive to hear what you're doing. I like it. I'm very, uh, oh, thank very you. excited to hear all the cool stuff you're always involved with. Um, you know, I, I like that you brought up the whole idea of, you know, some of the pushback you may get on the, you know, more tradition, or I don't, I guess traditional is not the right word, but the more um, Western pharmacotherapy, you know, medicine mm-hmm. side of things where they say, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is, you know, this is science. That's, you know, kind of, you know, tradition, blah, 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 but it's not as, as evidence-based and all that. I like that you brought up because I think there's sometimes there's this, that, that people put a line in the sand of like, oh, if you're on the side of medicine or pharmacotherapy or whatever, you can't be on the side of, you know, more naturopathic type options. And it's not always the case because they can potentially complement each other and and go hand in hand. And and like you said, what may be right for one person may not fit well with another person's kind of overall plan and and things like that. So I I like that you come at it from both sides. I've always um, kind of admired that because you come at it from both sides. You know, you have your your functional medicine side and, and integrative health and all that, but you're also obviously clinically trained as a, as a PharmD and clinical pharmacist and all that. I like that you kind of pair those two together because I think that's really important. So how do you- oh, thank you. And I think that that is the direction of healthcare. I think more and more people are getting interested in this and more and more people are seeing the value in it and are seeing, you know, their patients experiences. And that's one of the things that Dr. Charlo says all the time that I love, which is, you know, our patients are taking it, whether or not they're telling you. And so as healthcare professionals, this is something that we should know about um, because maybe if they come to you with a certain ailment and you're thinking, oh, maybe this certain supplement 
supplement could be a good choice for them. And then you find out that they're actually taking it. Um, and so I feel like that happens more often than not, that people are looking to supplements and they're looking to these other options. And so whether or not it's the right choice for them, that's where the healthcare professional comes in. And if we know as healthcare professionals about the you know conventional pharmacotherapy, as well as the quote unquote unconventional pharmacotherapy, then I think that that just makes us such better healthcare professionals because truth is people are going to use them either way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the other thing is too, I think if you, even if you necessarily don't want to advocate for, or, you know, participate in, you know, utilizing some of these different integrative health methods, like you said, your patients are potentially going to be doing that. And so if you're exactly. as a healthcare professional can't address that or don't know where to go, if a patient comes in and says, I'm taking these herbal supplements or these adaptogens or whatever, and you have no idea what those are, especially as a pharmacist, I, I would be kind of embarrassed myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think that's, and you could easily overlook something and, and miss, mm -hmm. you know, a, a potential drug, drug interaction, whatever the case may be. Um, and be, just because it's something that maybe you're not interested in or not like going to push for your patients, but you still need to have that knowledge set. Um, you know, I think that's super important to kind of, for everybody to at least have, have kind of some familiarity with this topic. Exactly. And I think that like when you start learning more about it too, it's like the funnest, most like nerdiest thing ever too. Cause <laughs> a lot of the supplements, it comes down to like cofactors and things within the biochemical pathways. You have to be really familiar with the way that things actually work or even like the, um, one molecule, you know, becoming another metabolizing or whatever it is and becoming an, like a great example is like the relationship between 5-HTP and serotonin. Um, and 5-HTP is actually a pretty popular supplement. And so that, for example, could increase your serotonin levels, aka what we're looking for in like an SSRI or SNRI. But um, some patients might be trying that, but then also on an SSRI. And so we don't know if they don't tell us, then we don't know. And if we don't ask the question, then we won't find out. So it's just little things like that where you you'd be surprised how much of it comes down to like actual biochemistry. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and that was my, uh, my undergrad so that I can totally understand you talking, you know, I love nerding out on some chemical okay. processes and it's so fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't, I don't tell my friends, but it is fun for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, Matt, you were going to ask a question earlier. Yeah. So I was just kind of curious. Um, so with everything with so most of my experience has been in the community setting. So, one of my questions to you is, so how do you kind of navigate that as, you know, there's a ton, a million and one things out there on the, on the vitamin aisle. And so when I go out there and I'm helping patients, I mean, there's a million different things for me to choose from. So how do you kind of decide, okay, this is maybe this is kind of garbage. Maybe this is not, how do you know, is there a certain foundation that you're looking for as far as supplements? Like, how do you just navigate that as for somebody that, you know, maybe I am interested, but I don't know where to go. When I start? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. So I think the first place to start is knowing what resources to turn to, because as I mentioned, you know, in pharmacy school, I don't think we get enough of this education um, because a lot of pharmacists do end up practicing in the community setting. And so I think that this is a very valid concern. And so I mean, yeah, but when, when it comes down to it, you have to use your clinical discretion as a practitioner to figure out within the research like what you think is a good study or not, because that's something it's kind of like one of my pet peeves that like sometimes people just say, oh, studies say, but it's like what 
actually happened in the study? Did the study achieve power? Um, like, did they actually have enough participants? Like, there's so many questions. And then also, like, what type of dose did they give? Because there are certain studies I can think of with, like, certain supplements that they're like, oh, it didn't show efficacy, but they used, like, 30% of what we would normally give. Um, and so like little things like that, where it's a combination of looking at the studies and then also figuring out what resources you can trust. Um, and of course I have like a list of those. So I lo love talking about that. And then um, also, I think a lot of it comes with practice too. So like being very lucky and having the opportunity to work with Dr. Charlo and hearing her almost like um, her experience, I was going to say anecdotal, but that's not really the right term, but her experience throughout the years of what has worked and what hasn't worked and how research has evolved also has been very fascinating. So um, very multifaceted and not very clear cut, unfortunately. I, I like that you said that about the studies too, Swati, because I feel like that's important for all aspects of medicine. Right, absolutely. You'll hear, so important. You'll hear people be like, oh, this study showed, and, and I get it. I remember being, you know, at that point in my my pharmacy school education where I was like, oh, right, I know some landmark trials. That's awesome. I'm about to throw them down in a journal club. <laughs> and then uh, you realize it's like, well, does this patient fit that inclusion criteria? That exclusion? Exactly. You know? And you're like, ooh, I don't know anything. I just know the name of the title. <laughs> and uh, no, so that's, that's super important. I, I like that you said that. Um, what about uh, you, you, adaptogens is the one topic we've kind of covered um, previously mm -hmm. on the podcast. Um, what's got you uh, really excited in that space now? Anything kind of um, new, the cutting edge, anything, any new specific adaptogen that get, has you excited? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't been asked that before, but I think that um, the thing that's most exciting to me about adaptogens is that they're becoming a bit more commonplace. I feel like I'm starting to see them in a lot more products and they're starting to be like integrated into things, so to speak, like various like food items and other supplements. And I just, I just feel like they're becoming a bit more like closer to mainstream. Um, so I guess that's kind of new in the adaptogen space that I feel like slowly, but surely it's going to become a bit more part of like normal discussion. Can you give me like a 10 second overview of what an adaptogen is? Yeah, so an adaptogen is a naturally occurring substance. So it's like a plant or an herb or a spice, or it could even be a food, but it's really, it's the, those particular components within those like plants or foods or herbs that work in your body to help your body build resilience against stress. And so at the end of the day, a lot of that, what a lot of what that means is that they're um, chemicals or compounds in the body that help decrease inflammation. So they have the anti-inflammatory aspect. A lot of them are antioxidants. Um, and so it's a lot of like combating some of the like disease states now that are being thought of as um, having a root of inflammation. And so I know that there's a lot of really recent interesting research talking about how like a lot of the mood disorders now are being looked at as like um, brain inflammation, so to speak. Um, and so like looking at different things like that and then also with adaptogens too, this is another thing, right? So like plants are so complex. When we're thinking about a 
drug. It's just a simple, like single, well, not simple, but it's a single molecule um, that's been like distilled from something else. Um, whereas in a plant, there are so many compounds and so many components. And so all these different things within the plant can do a lot of different things. Um, so I think that's also what kind of makes adaptogens and other herbs a bit more confusing because they seem to have such like a laundry list of things they can potentially be useful for, which of course that's where your clinical discretion and everything comes in. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, plants are just very complex. And so the more research we do and the more that we actually like have these discussions, the more that I think people will be more familiar and, and okay with um, integrating them into their life. So, um, is, uh, like turmeric, is that considered an adaptogen? Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like in, in, that's a very common supplement that a lot of patients are, you know, utilizing over the counter and things. Is it because the complexity of the plants is, is a factor? Is it, is it better to get the adaptogen from the source itself, like from the diet, or is it Mm. just as equivalent to to take an actual synthetic version or, or produced version in the supplement form? Ooh, so this is very, um, I would say this is very like adaptogen specific or herb specific. Okay. Um, so when it, since you brought up a uh, turmeric, a big thing with turmeric is, um, unless you have like the ancestry or you have been utilizing turmeric every single day since you were born. And, and it's like hereditarily something that you have been eating for years. Like I can use myself as an example. Um, I'm someone that would, with the research that's been done, it's been shown that I can have a little bit less per day, or I can like do the whole, like throw it into a smoothie thing. And it will actually be somewhat beneficial for me versus if it's not something your body is used to, um, something with turmeric is that to get the real medicinal benefit, the amount of milligrams that you need, um, and especially of the active, like the bioactive compound of curcumin in particular, the, like, the amount that you need to get that medicinal benefit actually would come from a capsule, um, which is why it's like kind of I don't want to say comical, but like a little silly sometimes to see so many like different things that have like a few milligrams here and there of turmeric. And I'm like, oh, I I don't really know what type of benefit people are getting from that. I mean, a little bit is better than absolutely zero, I suppose. But if I'm going off what's been studied and what's been actually shown to have an impact, it's based on a pretty high dosage that you're not just going to get unless you sit there and eat like a lot of turmeric, which is, you know, not very <laughs> appetizing to sit and eat like bags and bags of turmeric. Well, um, that's good to know. I actually would have assumed the complete opposite. opposite right? So that's yeah. all. That's, that's yeah. just good to know. I, I'm glad I did not realize I mean, that was the case. That, that makes sense though after you explain it. Um, but it, it also really depends on the herb or like, like another like big class of adaptogens is medicinal mushrooms. And so the thing with medicinal mushrooms is if you see a product, for example, on the shelf, um, you have to make sure that it says the fruiting body of the mushroom. Like, for example, there's like reishi mushroom, there's lion's mane, there's cordyceps, there's so many different ones. But that's like one of the big, like, I guess, tips is when you're in the store. And if you're interested in medicinal mushrooms, um, make sure that it says that it's from the fruiting body and it's not from like the, um, the micelles or like any of the other part 
of the, the plant um, because the actual part that's been studied and has the medicinal value is actually in the fruiting body. Okay. So it depends. Cool. <laughs> my short. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, what about uh, the um, the term you said nutraceuticals is one of the topics. What, what can you mm-hmm. kind of define that for us? Because I don't think we've talked about that at all before. Yeah. So nutraceuticals is it's kind of this like catch all term at the moment for a lot of different um, supplements that are out there that are not considered vitamins and minerals. So of course we know vitamins as like A, B, C, all of that, and then of course K and and all of those, and then minerals are things like magnesium and potassium and and all those other you know like quote unquote letters you know that are so important for the micronutrients that we consume every day. But there's also a huge class of of like almost like a catch-all miscellaneous group of things that um, have been put into this category called nutraceuticals. Um, examples of those are like probiotics mm-hmm. or prebiotics, um, like things like that are very important. Um, also like omega-3 fatty acids, um, which are in huge discussion now, of course. Um, those are like two of the most common that that fit within the whole like dietary supplement world, but aren't vitamins and aren't minerals. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with with this kind of whole space sort of expanding and, you know, quote unquote blowing up, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what, uh, do you see, you know, either like the FDA or some other kind of governing bodies, at least in the United States kind of getting involved with this to start helping to like kind of regulate things, or do you think that it's going to kind of just keep flourishing on as, as its own kind of separate thing? That's interesting. So currently, um, dietary supplements are regulated by the FTC or the Fair Trade Commission, um, and they're monitored by the FDA. That's another like myth I like to bust is that like the FDA is involved. They just don't regulate it to the same extent as they would a prescription medication because there's no like um, there's no studies or anything that needs to be done before it hits the market. Um, and so um, the FDA is involved to an extent, um, more on the monitoring spectrum. And then the um, FTC is the one that's really in charge of that. I don't know if I if I really see that changing because I feel like their their jurisdictions are, are pretty like they're pretty separate at this point. In, in, as far as, you know, because one of the complaints you hear in this is you know, some of the quantities or the concentrations that are listed, the strengths of the, you know, whatever it is, vitamin or whatever, on the label may not actually mass, match what's in the, the product with some of the over-the-counter uh, situation or some of the counter, over-the-counter products. So in like, in, is there situations where that needs to be, like, is that be, is that an issue is with other, like, types of adaptogens and things like that? Or is that, is there other, are they pretty good about bringing in third-party testing? Like, how does that process kind of work or? Yeah, I think that's a concern with anything that's not completely, you know, FDA regulated, like a prescription medication. I think that that's something of concern. Um, But that being said, like when I am looking at brands that I want to trust, I'm always looking for like, anything that's doctor formulated and look not only doctor formulated, but looking into the practitioner because some brands like to say that and then you like can't find anyone on the website that's a doctor and like you can't even find any of that information so um i would say that's really important and they have like a strong medical advisory board because you'd be surprised 
how many supplements don't, or rather, I mean, how many supplement companies don't. Um, and it's just people who are like, oh, cool, I'm going to make this thing. And they actually don't necessarily have any scientific backing. They just like want to help the world, which of course is cool, but it's like not the same, of course, coming up <laughs> right. from a practitioner standpoint. So um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting place to be definitely when it, when it comes to things like that. I know that there is testing that is involved, but of course, not up to the quote unquote FDA regulation standard. The other thing too, when um, it comes to testing and everything, when it comes to brands is there is this whole other class of what their dietary supplements, of course, like within this class. However, um, there are certain brands in particular that are actually called professional brands. And so those are like ones that are held to much higher standard. They um, abide to much higher forms of like regulations and testing and, and everything. And those are, they're called professional because you have to be involved with a professional to get that particular brand. So it's not something you can just go like grab off the shelf. Um, it's not something that's quote unquote necessarily over the counter in that way. Um, but if you have a practitioner involved in your care who also has um, some sort of you know, professional recognition and they sign up to be a professional associated with this brand, then you're able to get products that have been a bit more heavily tested and also um, companies that are very, very particular about education. And I've learned quite a bit about a lot of different supplements. Like when I just told you about turmeric, I learned from the educational department, the educational arm of one of the um, professional brands that just hosts educational seminars where they bring in speakers from all over the world. Like those speakers in particular were from Australia and they were practitioners in Australia that came out to LA and I got to spend like two two full days in a seminar room, just like listening to these doctors speak about um, the research that they've done that have contributed to the, the products that are now um, as a part of that company. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, is there like an example? So you, I'm going to make sure I'm understanding it too. So you said basically like in order, you have to be affiliated with the, the, the company itself or like as a patient type of thing or like establish a relationship in order to buy it or they have to be established with some sort of a governing body to supply it to people. I think they go the oh, mile. sorry. Yeah. So the practitioner themselves has to have a relationship with the company. Okay. And then, so then yeah. they're the only ones that can kind of distribute it out from there. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So there's that extra like level um, that you need to surpass that, you know, comes with its, you know, higher regulations and, and better testing. And a lot of those brands are the ones that, um, that Dr. Tarlow has worked with for years and that she's very familiar with those companies. Um, and she very much trusts those versus a lot of the other over-the-counter brands, not to say that there aren't great ones, but um, overall, um, there, you know that you can trust certain brands over another versus the way that they've gone about like testing and formulating. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's, it's almost like, I mean, obviously not the same legality of like a prescription, but same concept where the healthcare professional is the one that's kind of distributing and, and, and in charge of who's getting the product and taking it safely and all that. Is that correct? Yeah, mm -hmm, to an extent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about like follow up? Like, do they just follow up with that same practitioner when they need, you know, uh, to buy another one or get a quote unquote refill? Um, is that and they just kind of keep following the patient throughout their care? Is that how that works? 
Yeah, and, and that's definitely the goal, I think, too, because I think that's another thing that people just, in, in my opinion, they don't take it seriously enough that, that, that supplements are not all benign mm -hmm. and you can't just grab something and take it necessarily. Um, I, that's why I'm like so particular. And I think that people in the healthcare practitioner space should know about this kind of stuff because they need to be there to answer those questions. Like there are some supplements that interact with warfarin. I mean, the world interacts with warfarin. <laughs> and so like supplements, some of them are metabolized also by CYP3A4 and 2C19 and all the other like worrisome ones. Um, and so that that's like something that we should know about as practitioners. Um, so I think that practitioners should be involved in the discussion of any sort of like you know, exogenous compound that enters their patient's body, regardless of what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, what uh, I know, I kind of asked you something a little similar earlier, but, um, you know, looking at this space as a whole, is there any specific area like of, of like whether it's a disease state that's now being looked at or treated with um, some of these products or a product in general? What's what's got you the most excited as of 2021? Ooh, as of 2021? Hmm. No, that's a great question. I think that the, just the, the more discussion that's coming around gut health and the importance of like what we eat in terms of nutrition. And I think that there is like so much more of a focus on that because I think that for so many years, people have just looked at like, oh, I have an issue. Okay. Insurance will just cover it. And I'll, I'll have, you know, this pill for however many dollars a month kind of thing. But I think people are, are noticing that they can take their health into their own hands and like really be empowered to eat better and like do so many other lifestyle things that I think are so important that especially when it comes to the like statistics with chronic disease states in the United States, there's so many things that people can do to prevent them. Yes, some of it um, does have, you know, family lineage and some of it is environmental and there are tons of other aspects, of course, but I do think that there is to an extent everything or there is something everyone can do to really help optimize their health and wellness. And I think that a lot of that comes down to food and hydration and getting enough sleep and all these things that, especially like as a college student, everything that I did not everything you know, I don't take do. seriously, or I just like didn't, I just completely took for granted. I was like, oh, I'll sleep later versus like, now I'm like, okay, it's later. <laughs> I need to actually like get a full night's sleep. Wait, so you're telling me that the American diet of McDonald's chicken nuggets and fries is not good for your heart? You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a, you're going to have to take a lot of adaptogens if you're eating that stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's as far as, you know, the drug drug interactions or drug herb interactions and things, um, is there any that kind of pop off in, in your mind just that, you know, thinking about it that like maybe surprised you as you've kind of been learning through this? Is there any that you're like, I can't believe that interacts with this? Is there, have, have you had any of those types of situations come up in your studies? I think that like it, it's always surprising, especially as you are learning in the beginning. I think now things are a lot less, you know, like, whoa, because I, I know a bit more, but I think that like certain things that you just like would never think of that I think are just like so important. Like for example, like 
um, what's an example, like cranberry, for example, if you take a certain dosage of cranberry, which some people do look to cranberry as like a natural option, if they have a UTI or if they have chronic UTIs, which is, you know, they need a healthcare practitioner to talk about that situation, figure out if that's the right choice for them. But um, that is something that cranberry has been researched for. Um, and so it's um, something that can help with symptom management. And so like something like that actually interacts with warfarin and it could, it could lead to bruising and, and like bleeding. And so like, that's like something I think could be of importance, like little things like that, where people drink juices all the time that have cranberry in it. Um, that's another one, like grapefruit that I know that like we hear about in school um, with like the CYP3A4 interaction and, and all of that. So like little things like that, where you wouldn't really second guess it or really like think about it twice that, oh, wait, this like thing that I'm having could interact. So it's just like talking about all the the different things that we do throughout our life and like how they can impact other things like oh another popular supplement is valerian root and mm -hmm. like people use that for sleep and for pain and for mood balance and, and different things and that's another thing too that i think is is really important to talk about because that one can also impact the the gaba levels in your brain so if that person is you know taking benzos or if they're taking other medications like gabapentin or something like other medications that also influence the amount of GABA like that's something of importance so but you just be surprised how many it, potential interactions there can be and it really comes down to like patient by patient basis but it is something that we as healthcare practitioners should know about and if somebody needs like a reference guide as far as you know a quick you know, resource to look something up as far as an interaction or more information about a certain, you know, whether it's a herbal supplement or adaptogen or whatever. Um, I know we've talked about natural medicines database on here before. Mm -hmm. That's the one I personally use a lot. Do you have any others like that you would recommend people to kind of check out and use that they could just like an app or something like that? Yeah. So, um, so I'm glad you mentioned apps. So um, when it comes to apps, there's this, er there, there's this herb, oh my gosh, there's this app <laughs> called About Herbs. Um, and um, that is put on by the Memorial Sloan Kettering um, Cancer Center. And it's actually written and managed by pharmacists, which is awesome. And so um, that app is free. And I like have that on my phone. I've used it a bunch during residency and since then. Um, so I think that like, that's a great free resource. There's also, um, Hanson and Horn has a top hundred drug interactions book. Um, it's very inexpensive and it's something that you can like fit in your white coat pocket, which is also awesome. Um, and so, yeah, that's not an app technically, but it's a really good reference guide. And those, those guys really know what they're talking about. I, th I think they do a very good job. So that's also a very like affordable resource that you can like keep on your person. Um, and then you, of course you mentioned natural resources or sorry, natural medicines. Then there's also, oh, if you want to learn more about um, vitamins, minerals, and nutraceuticals, so the probiotics, omega-3s, all of that, um, Oregon State University has um, on their website, it's also free, um, 
It's called the Linus Pauling Institute. So L-I-N-U-S-P-A-U-L-I-N-G Institute um, from Oregon State University. And so if you just like put that into Google, it'll pop up and they have a lot of really great resources and they hyperlink all of their research that they're talking about. So whether or not you agree with like the sentence of like X herb is great for this, you can always just like click on it and read the study yourself and decide. Again, with clinical discretion being super important. So yeah, Oregon State Linus Pauling is awesome. Hanson and Horn about herbs. Oh, also the NIH does a pretty good job as well of, of curating content um, in their Office of Dietary Supplements. So um, they are always doing research. They put on like an incredible symposium every year that I attended a few weeks ago. They made it virtual this year, which was awesome. And so um they have a wealth of information on there. Um, and then also the NIH has the, what's it called? The National Center of Complementary and Integrative Health. They also have some interesting information on there as well. Awesome. Thank you. Very That's cool. great. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, I'm trying to write these down as you're talking. Right. <laughs> I'll put them, uh, I'll make sure I include them in the show notes so people can look them back up again. Cause that's, that's fantastic. And if they want more information, um, we offer, of course, as like when everyone registers, we send them this like infographic that I created that has like these resources and more resources too. But I, I can send that to you too if you'd oh, like. Awesome, nice. yeah, that'd be great. Sweet, okay. thank yeah, you. Mm -hmm. um, so where uh, where can they go to get more information about your upcoming uh, webinar series? Yeah, so the webinar series, you can go to my website. It's a page on the website. So it's drswathy.com. So that's doctor spelled out. Someone took the drswathy.com. Oh, no. the spelled out version. We need, um, to get so a, we need to get that back. That's our I, new, that's our new mission. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's drswathy.com slash integrative dash health dot uh, dash 101. So integrative health 101. So drswathy.com slash integrative dash health dash 101. Awesome. I'll put it in the show notes too. So I have a link and all that. And um, tell us the dates again. Yeah. So, I'm oh, sorry. I don't even think I mentioned them. So the dates, um, it starts, the course starts, of course, we, this time we are doing it all live and like both of us love doing live stuff. So um, it starts August 3rd. Um, so that's coming up pretty soon, a few weeks. And then um, the course, if you do sign up for the full on course, the full six weeks that ends the 9th of September. Um, so we wanted to do it where it was not during the school year in case students were interested. And we've actually had a few students sign up, which we have a really good discount for students. So if you're yeah, interested. Okay. Please email me or just send me a little message through there. And the students that have signed up thus far have utilized the discount and they really liked the time frame because it's before anything gets super crazy with the semester. Um, and so um, if that works for you, that's awesome. Another thing I did want to mention too is that in case you can attend the lives um, at 5 p.m. PST. 8 p.m. EST on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'll send you the recordings if you've registered and you can watch them for up to a week after so that you have all that material in your brain before the next um, webinar that comes up. Awesome. Is, is there a, like handouts and things like that that are associated with each uh, lecture? Um, yeah, so I'll have slide decks um, that will be associated with each webinar. Um, and then um, depending on how long the webinars go and how, how the, the time frame goes with Q&A, we um, do want to involve some case studies along the way and not just leave them all for the, the very last one. Oh, that's awesome. Sure. 
So you can basically uh, listen to the webinar and start building your own personal uh, curated database of information as well with the slide sets. I like it. Exactly. So it's just like having the basics of all this information so that you can answer patient questions. And a lot of what we are going to teach is actually based off of questions that we've received from practitioners or patients and like what it seems like people want to know more about. So we want to like pare it down to like what's most important. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what about uh, you personally, as far as uh, people, you know, reaching out to you or following you on social media? What's uh, any, any place they can find you specifically? Oh, yeah. So um, my website, as I mentioned, is drswappy.com. And then I'm also the same on Instagram. So that's um, D-O-C-T-O-R-S-W-A-T-H-I. Dr. Swathi on Instagram. We'll mm-hmm. put your uh, handle and all that on there, too. But okay, um, anything else uh, we haven't talked about yet, Swathi? Anything else you want to make sure we mention before we wrap it up? Oh, just the the one other thing that I wanted to mention is um, a few weeks ago, we did host a a live like intro webinar that was free. So if you're interested in that, we do have the recording um, and that talks a little bit more about the course, but a lot more about like our philosophy when it comes to integrative health, which I kind of touched on today, but I'm just giving you a little more of an overview. So if you're interested in that, please email me or just like send a little message through my website or like DM me on Instagram and I can send you that um that zoom recording that we'll have live until the third awesome so guys make sure you go check that out and uh you know at least if nothing else go to the website and get some more information because i think uh once you see all the different topics and stuff that swati has going on i think you'll be uh thoroughly impressed and want to want to be involved um so thank you guys so much for listening um and again all this information as far as the website links and all that will be in the show notes below um if you have uh, any questions for dr swati make sure you reach out to her on, on uh, any of the options she mentioned um if you have any questions for cole or myself um you can reach us at our emails in the show notes or on any of the uh, social media platforms um you can also get in touch with us via our texting platform so you can text 415-943-6116 and uh uh, we'll do our best to answer your questions as quick as possible so we get some some pretty awesome pharmacotherapy type questions on there so i like to see how often we can get stumped but um you know if you guys want to utilize that go for it and uh thank you guys so much for who you know all of you who have kind of subscribed and helped support us through patreon um i hope you guys are liking the lectures and the slide sets and all that um you know that helps us out a lot to continue to grow the podcast and everything else that we're involved with um, with poor consult in general so thank you guys so much for the support there and um, we will see you guys in the next episode have a good one